Hey everybody, welcome to a another edition of Across the Pitch. I am Mike Brera with my co-host Dave Miller. Uh, we are doing a recorded episode tonight yep. due to our, our busy scheduling restraints. But uh, we're here, we're going to drop this on Thursday night. So today is Tuesday, November 16th. Dave, how are you doing today on this Tuesday morning for you? Uh, Wednesday morning for me. Uh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'm alright, I mean, obviously. I mean, uh, yeah, not a great night of football, obviously being. But um, I got paid more than I expected. I was about to do my final paycheck and my old job, so there's always a, there always go. always something to look up look forward to. <laughs> That's good yeah, to hear. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm. It's you know, it was kind of a quiet week for Union fans. We really didn't have too much to talk about. We know Daniel Gazdag is doing well overseas in Hungary, so that's always optimistic. Um, Andre Blake getting some recognition for you know goalkeeper of the year finalists. So again, that's something you know just to kind of ease us and pass the time. But uh, like I said, it's Tuesday, November sixteenth, which means the the first round of the playoffs is just a couple days away now. Um, I, I should be in attendance in the press box to cover the match for AAT Sports, so that's pretty exciting. Um, but before we kind of get into the playoffs, we never really discussed the preview, or the review rather, of NYCFC, the final game of the season. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk briefly on that. As you guys know, we, we uh, pulled off a draw at Yankee Stadium. Dave, now that you've had about a week or so to think about it, what are your reactions off the uh, end of the season? Um, it's a frustrating one, I feel. I mean, obviously, I think it's great that they came second. I don't think you can even deny that. Obviously, it's fantastic considering that, you know, like, they somehow went from, well, you know, like, they were ninth. They were literally ninth. They were at risk of not making the playoffs or at least, you know, not having a home playoff game, having started the season so well. And they went on that slump that lasted probably three months. And to actually can't end up coming second with that late floor at the end of the season, you can probably credit it as well to a couple couple of teams like Nashville, NYCFC dropping points and struggling as well. But I think, yeah, I think it's a season. It's Jim Curtin and everyone can look back with incredible pride at how they've managed to balance, um, you know, everything upon each other, really. The Euros, their CONCACAF Gold Cup being played, their own CCL campaign, international breaks in between that they've had to play without seven, eight or nine players. And they've yep. still managed to come out, even if they haven't won, looking decent, looking positive. And even I mean, and players out on international duty, the young guys like Paxton Aronson, Nathan Harrell came in, made crucial, um, made crucial plays in the game, turned up winning the game. I mean, overall, I think it's a positive, positive sign. And the one worry is the fact they can't win on the road, even against ten men. Yeah, so when we recorded our show the previous week, one of the things I mentioned that I wanted to see was that the Union could get a lead and then hold a lead. And once again, that was not able to be accomplished. Uh, they, they go up one nothing. they get the red card, I think it was like the 20th, the 26th minute or the 30th minute early on. Um, and you, you felt optimistic. You're like, okay, here we go. We Not only do we score up a man, we're leading for a bit, and then unfortunately uh, we, we can't keep keep ourselves in front, which, again, it, it's, it's a little bit nerve-wracking because unless the uh, New, New, New England Revolution lose before we do, we will eventually have to go on the road to play them. Um, so it's yeah. it's it's frustrating yeah. to see why this team is so Jekyll and Hyde between road and, and at home. Um, but overall, I think yeah. considering how you finished the CCL, considering where you're placed, you cannot be disappointed 
to end the year the way he did because they really just turned on the Jets and and focused in and and they able to, they were able to accomplish something that many uh, semifinalists in the CCL or you know teams who have gone far in that tournament have done. So kudos kudos to Jim Curtin who actually I think in an interview I saw was it today or yesterday yeah. how he's you know he he mentions the uh, the the prospect of eventually coaching in Europe which I'm sure was a few years down the road as an as an opportunity but. You know, you you know more about the international game than I do. Do you think Jim Curtin could could eventually go on there to uh, international squad, or how do you think he would do overseas? Um, obviously, I think I mean I don't know what sort of level he'd go to. I mean, I, I don't think he'd be able to manage the, the top leagues of the European leagues, maybe a lower standard. I think again, the American game is so different. The responsibilities that managers have. Because, I mean, obviously, in the US, you have GMs who have essentially have full control over transfers and sort of managers that said, oh, by the way, we're getting this guy. Um, do that with you. Well, essentially, is sort of the uh, plan of a GM and head coach. The head coach doesn't really have much say on the players that are brought in. You just do what you've got to do. Whereas in Europe, he'd be more, it depends where he's at. I mean, if he ends up being a manager as opposed to a head coach, he'd be more responsible for the scouting side of things he'd have to get his own set of scouts to go find players it'd be up to him to take responsibility for like, the transfer um for like the uh, got the tra- like, for transfers by transfers to bring players in so again i think it would be a massive culture shock for him it might take him a while <laughs> to adjust if he did go over there i think perhaps over time with the sort of manager that he is he i th- think he could do a good job but i think he'd have to go to a job where the expectations are low. This is a disrespect to Jim, but the culture is such a big yeah. wide gap. I mean, you've, you've seen it in the UK. I mean, I don't think you can, you think of any American bosses that have come over into Europe and have done very well. Not that I can think of. I, I would say that my knowledge of that is limited as yeah. is, but nothing that comes to mind in general. Yeah. Cause um, I think uh, Bob Bradley came over to pl- uh, manage Swansea City. I don't think he won a game. He was sacked after like nine or ten games. Swansea were atrocious and ended up relegating that season because of ultimately the form they're in under him. So again, I think it's a big risk taking on a manager or head coach that ha- isn't used to the European style of the game, which again isn't disrespect to Jim, but it, it, they're two completely different ball games in that sense with the responsibilities, yeah. etc. I mean, you you have so much if you if you go over to be a head coach. And you have a GM or a director of football that can somewhat take charge of signing players, essentially telling you how you, he wants things done on the pitch. And yeah, maybe it could work. But I think if he ends up becoming a manager, that's where things are going to be a bit more difficult. Because again, I can't imagine a US manager will have that great of a knowledge of the European game or the broad aspect of the European game in terms of what sort of leagues you can look at for that bright stars, etc. Yeah, it's like the uh, the saying, you know, the grass isn't always green on the other side type of deal. Uh, and a lot of people locally no. talk about J- uh, Jay Wright from Villanova in this kind of way. They say, hey, you know, Jay Wright's such a great college coach. Why not go to the NBA? Why not coach the Sixers? Why not coach, you know, the Lakers or whoever needs a coach? And, and the argument is, is like, it's a different game. It's a different style of recruiting. It's a different style of players, a different style of mentality. Um, you have the salaries and all that stuff. So it's sometimes you just have to find where you fit in and and find where you are a big fish in, in, in that big pond. And I think Jim Curtin has become in that bigger fish in the MLS in terms of coaching, you know, whether people agree with his substitutions yeah. or the way he manages, he's still, you know, considered one of the best, better managers in the, um, or better, better coaches in the MLS. So 
Yeah. It's interesting to kind of think about. And again, it's That's what another, happens between before the yeah. playoffs and the game. It's like that teasing things. They have, you know, different things to talk about. Yeah. I think, again, as you said, obviously, there's different responsibilities, there's different pressures. And the MLS, you can't get relegated. You can't, you know, you can't be demoted yeah. down. And he is going to more, like, more than likely take over a team that's near the bottom half of a de- for decent European league or a second European league. So, I mean, that's sort of like the, I mean, no disrespect to him, he's not at this NYCFC, um, you know, or he's not a big name player that's become a manager, it's just come over to players trade in the US, like Patrick Vieira did, like Thierry Henry did. And do you know what I mean? So he's not in that, I think, sort of for the American coaches, if you're, unless you've you coached at like, not going to say these big clubs, but these more world-renowned clubs like your NYCFCs, your Red Bulls, LAFCs, or you're a big-name player like uh, Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry. I mean, even Phil Neville was, oh no, Phil Neville's not the biggest name, but Phil Neville's still a big name in the European game. People know of Phil Neville. He probably, okay, he probably got the job because of his relationship with David Beckham, but people still know of Phil Neville. So the American game, I think maybe Jim's reputation in the global game is probably nowhere near as big as it should be, or as it probably is in comparison to these bigger names, or if he was at a big club, but I mean, again, I think obviously there's different pressures with yeah. like with relegation and things and like that, which would have to be taken into consideration, which would be a first thing. Of course, there's no salary caps, so other teams have got more money to play with. Some leagues don't actually have a cap on foreign players, so again, the whole scouting thing would change. I think it'd be a difficult transition for Jim to start with, but if he's able to ride the ship or if he's able to, you know, come to terms with it quickly, I'm sure he'd do a great job. I think it's just if he ever did go to the European game, it's just not taking the biggest jump or the biggest leap that's there for him just to you know that the first biggest jump he can make. Yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of, I guess, taking jumps and progressing and, and you know, developing over time, uh, one of the the bright spots of the NYCFC match was uh, the goal that we, we saw um, when they were up a man. In particular, Leon Flock had a nice assist to Casper after it was crossing to him. Um, yeah. He does seem to be progressing offensively a bit more. You know, did you notice anything in particular from him that you kind of that caught your eye in that match? Um, I mean, for one, it was just a great, you know, put back to Casper. I mean, I was quite concerned that he got injured after the uh, yeah. ZLM got red carded for the tackle on him. I think <laughs> the way sort of his leg sort of went after the tackle, I was quite concerned. <laughs> but I think, again, he's just he's only what 20, 21 years old, so he's still continuing yep. to grow himself. And it's going to continue to happen week upon week. Sometimes he's going to be very good in some areas. He's not going to be very good in others. That's what happens with younger players. That they one week they're very good at one thing, one the next week they're very bad. But I think uh, that week, I think was it last week or the week beforehand, Leon was the was it when Leon was somewhat the uh, the star for another reason that week. If uh, anyone oh, hasn't seen the. Day in the life of Leon Flack or the Leon Flack show, I think that was probably his bigger moment that week. Yeah, it was. It's cool because you know you get to see a little bit into these these guys' mannerisms and the way they they kind of hang out with uh, their teammates. And you're right, it was about a four, it was about a three or four minute video of him going around the gym and interacting with the players. And I think they did they did that with Stuart Finley as well earlier in the season. Um, and again, it was just one of those fun yeah. things that kind of close out the year and kind of by the time before the playoffs started. But uh, he's lovable for certain. Absolutely. He's one of the players that you just kind of gravitate to as a fan yeah. um, for how hard he plays and his personality. So 
like you said, he's only he's a kid. He's 20, 21 years old. He has so much growth in front of him. And if Jose does end up getting the boot, which I know a lot of fans yeah. are kind of hoping for, that he gets sent off, Flock has is going to fit right into that sixth spot um, and beautifully. So that's the next thing to watch. Yeah. And, yeah, and and you have up uh, up ahead. You you know you have a tall order for him and, and the and the Philadelphia Union. As as everybody knows, the Union closed out the year as a second seed. Uh, they get the chance to host a playoff game and welcome their 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 uh, their rivals, if you want to call them a rival, the New York Red Bulls. Dave, uh, first thoughts when you saw the Red Bulls as our as our opponent. Well, I mean, the f- I think my first thought about that was the uh, interesting decisions for the kickoff times. So, sort of like when they in the MLS, I don't think I've ever seen a, a sports league ever, um, you know, announce a kickoff time and then completely change it. Um, you know, delete everything, completely change it after like, officially announcing it. Uh, I don't know if it was due to the backlash. Cause I think it was due to start at midday. Eastern they had yeah noon right on Saturday yep. or mm-hmm. something like that. Obviously, it was far from ideal. Uh, but yeah, I think obviously it's a it's not like the union been bad this year in terms of playing against uh, New York Red Bulls. I think they only played them once on the road, didn't they? They played them correctly. on. They only played them the once on the road, and then did a one-one draw. They played them in September oh, on the road anyway. They the... drew one all against them with ten men on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know the uh, the the match with uh, Matt Matt Freeze, the whole issue with Glessons and Matt Freeze there with the um, the 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 penalty there. So I'm I'm happy that they have my home. I feel much more confident that they're going to be bringing them into the stadium, and yeah. I think they'll. I think they should handle them well. Um, early early on in the season, one of the issues that we saw when they played Red Bull the first time was the set pieces, and. Yeah. Defensively, I think one of the biggest concerns for the union not only is is not being able to hold the lead, but def- the having those mental lapses. And the rebels are a team who can kind of take advantage of you during those mental lapses, which we've already seen a, f- a few times. So, if you're looking at a player to watch or a player that you, that you need to to step up or play a big game, who who are you looking for from the union side to really control the defensive uh, side of the pitch? Uh-huh. I think for, in terms of doing, again, Red Bulls aren't a bad team. Uh, they've got some good players. Obviously, of course, they've got some good players. And obviously, they're in the MLS playoffs, but they caused the union issues earlier in the year as well. So it's not as if they're um, a poor team in that sense. They won't just roll over, as we saw in the uh, playoffs last year. Teams aren't just going to roll over because you're better than them or a higher seed. Everyone thought the Union were going to come in and just sweep past uh, 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 the Revolution and was somewhat looking ahead to the next uh, the next sort of fix- fixture. That didn't happen. The Union also got outplayed and was sent packing in the first game. So again, it's not it's going to be a difficult game for the Union. It's going to be a very difficult game for the Union. Do I think the Union can come out on top of it? I think yes, I think they can. Depends who's fit. Does Sergio Santos maybe play? I mean, again, obviously, they've got some good players in both sides of the ball in uh, New England, obviously. Uh, players like, you know, Casares and Fabio are going to cause some issues in attack. Uh, I don't know if Drew Year would reply the former Reading midfielder, but again, they've got players that, you know, people know of him. I think it's Klimala, 
Clemala again, he's obviously he's a, he's a decent striker at this level of the game. He scored against the Union in the uh, Matt Freeze red card game. So again, I think that they're going to need both the centre backs to lead lead from the back to make sure you know they can keep a clean sheet, they can keep it tight. Uh, but I mean, look, for, uh, Union are five and beaten against the Rebels. They've drawn the last two games one one, but yep. Union just need to keep their head switched on. And as I said, just don't think this is going to be a cakewalk because they've got a home game. I agree. No, I absolutely agree. So the first game, like you mentioned, was the uh, the Freeze Red Car game. So the way they drew that game was um, there was a Red Bull injury, a, a brief Red Bull player on the ground. Bedoya reacts quickly. Mumbaiza sends a perfect ball to Sergio and he puts it in. They tie the game late. And then if you fast forward to the September match, uh, Santos actually scored again in the 17th minute. But then uh, Fernandez scores a goal in the 37th minute, which again was kind of one of those those pieces that we've already seen multiple times with them not being able to hold the lead on the road. Um, yeah. But in terms of in terms of what you mentioned with Sergio, and what we've seen from from Gazdag recently, I have I, I don't see Sergio starting this match. Of course, I think Casper starts, and I think you're going to see that four three two one formation again. Jim does have a tendency yeah. to once he finds that habit to stick in that habit, and his formation as of now has kind of brought him to where he is at this at this moment in time. I don't I don't see how you can justify going back to the old formation, considering how much better Daniel Gazek is playing currently. Kind of why if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. I mean, do you agree with with that with that formation going into this weekend? Um, I think again, if it's not broken. If it ain't broken, don't try and fix it. Again, the Union have actually looked good since the uh no since they exited the CCL. We're down to one striker and we're using that the Christmas tree formation. Behind the strikers was Arrow, Garzdag, um Paxton Aronson. They've all done the job, they've all looked good. So I think there's no reason to change a bit of form of himself recently. As you mentioned before, it's looking quite good in terms of, you know, creating opportunities and scoring a couple of goals, but just, uh, you know, just helping the union create opportunities, getting the union out the pitch. So fingers crossed he can, he can, you know, carry on, carry on doing what he's doing and into his playoff game. Hopefully Jim doesn't change what's not broken. I mean, obviously there's going to be that temptation because Sergio's going to be fit. Sergio can play. He has that extra. He had some. He's a bit more dynamic. He adds something extra to your game in terms of attacking the defend uh, the opposition. Uh, but again, if it's not broken, to fix it. So I mean, if they're going to, I hope they stick with the Christmas tree. I wouldn't be shocked if he does go for the diamond and plays with Sergio and Casper up front. But I mean, either or, I don't really mind. I think. I mean, obviously, the fact you have Sergio just. Opens up the game a bit more, puts them on their toes a bit in terms of how high they press the unit up, up the pitch. Are they more intent on pushing the defenders higher at the pitch as opposed to if they were just marking Cashbus? I mean, there's always there's going to be different yeah. different tactical tactical sort of um, aspects to both, which obviously work in the unit's favour. It's just a matter. Both obviously have their pros and cons. Obviously, mm-hmm. with, with the Christmas tree, the union lack a bit of pace and attack, and obviously. When the game is nil-nil, when it's a lot more wide and more open, it's going to be a bit more difficult to, you know, move up the pitch higher, harder and like, quicker, finding and you know, picking the party's gaps. Whereas, opposed if you have Sergio, he can run into the holes, into the spaces, stretch the defence, and you know, create gaps for other players to move into. 
And again, they look again having the Christmas tree. You have more players back to defend. You have more creative players in the pitch to create opportunities, as we've seen in the right. more recent games. So either or, I mean, obviously, I've gone to a bit of a, I've gone to a bit of a ramble here as opposed to how you can line up. But I think, as you said, obviously, I don't think anyone could be as long as Gazdag's on the pitch and he's contributing. I don't think it, it doesn't matter too much in terms of the formation. Yeah, I think. I mean, considering the health of the of the roster so far with the forwards. You kind of fell into the four three two one out of necessity because you had Casper essentially as the only healthy forward that Jim trusted because Davo clearly is not ever going to see the field um, as this season's winding down. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he made if he got playoff minutes yeah. at this point. So they fall into this formation out of necessity, but you do have to remember that Sergio did score in his two matches against the Red Bull, and as you've alluded to already, yeah this team is most dangerous when Sergio is on the field, being able to, to stretch the, being able to stretch the field for players like Lit or, you know, um, or Kai Wagner to, to kind of push the ball up to him and allow him to chase and then create offense that way. So it, it's one of those things where if yeah. he does go to, to back to the old formation and they lose, how much pressure is it on Jim to then say like, you know, I had a good thing going. I went back to my old ways. We lost because of that change. Um, at the other on the other side, you could say, well, you have Sergio Santos available easily with your best forward of the field when healthy. How can you not go back to the way it used to be with him? So it's almost a double-edged sword for Jim if they do not pull off this W based on whatever formation he chooses. But yeah. I want to see Sergio on the field for at least 30 minutes. And if that means you know starting out at 4-3-2-1 and then transitioning to the, to the diamond with two up top – fine. I just don't want to see him on the field for only 10 minutes. I want to see more minutes out of him. I want to see what he can do and no. get himself back into form because he does have to get himself back into form and get back into the swing of things before the next round of the playoffs. Um, so th- that's what I'm hoping from Jim. Uh, I, I expect to see Paxson again for another 20 minutes. I expect to see McGlynn again. Uh, I, I would say probably he uses those three subs. I don't see him using anybody else after that. Maybe Fontana at the end, maybe Bueno if, if Bedoya needs a break. But I think at this point, you, you expect yeah. those five players to be your bench players. You have Paxson, Jack, um, Bueno as a, as a last-minute sub, Quinn Sullivan maybe, Fontana maybe. Um, and then, I guess, like I said, Sergio coming off the bench. Sergio, I assume yeah. that's what he's going to do. So there's a lot of what-ifs going into this. Um, but Go ahead, go ahead. I think again, though, as you highlighted, obviously you don't want to, so you don't want to see him not be on the pitch for like ten minutes. But I guess it's all sort of scenario driven, man. Right? I mean, if the union are I'm not going to say they are, but if the union are throwing up with 15, 20 minutes to go, do you feel inclined to perhaps risk a player that you know has a big injury issues of you know picking up silly little knocks or silly knocks, but like slight knocks and frustrating issues? You rather perhaps. You're two lap, three lap. You know you're going through. Do you take Casper off and say, "Fine, we'll give Corey 15 minutes. We can bring Patson. We can bring Quinn on. Give give Fontana a run out." Do you know what I think it's all situation based? If the Union can not, the Union don't have to bring Sergio on if he's a sub. I think that's probably a win because then obviously he's safe for another day and he can be used in the next round if they need him to be. But I think, as you said again, he scored twice and he scored two. In two games, one was actually yep. off the bench again. His best game in the Union shirt was 
with Sergio Santos in the pitch and playing behind the two strikers. Uh, if you obviously remember him creating the chances, scoring the penalty, Sergio that nice third goal. So again, he's obviously he's had good moments playing alongside Sergio, so that could maybe influence Jim's decision a bit heading into such a big game. But sure. I think again, as you said, I think the substitutes would probably be the the usual suspects. You might and you know you might see Nathan Harry off for ten minutes or Strip Finley if they need to keep the game tight as we usually do. So I mean, it's, it's obviously there's so many question marks going into such a big game because this isn't like your usual MLS game where you can fall back on in the next game. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a go at home and go home sort of thing. So you treat it as a screw it. We have to just risk whoever we got to risk or. I mean, it's it's tough to say. I think I think it does come situational, as you mentioned. If you're up two nothing, do you put Sergio in to risk him, considering his 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 quad issues that we've seen of late? I would say no. I think you go defensive, just close it out, and keep him healthy. Um, even though I want to see him get back into the flow of things, I do want to see a healthy Sergio in the next round because you are going to need him. It's as simple as that. And you don't want to you don't why bring him on when you're up two nothing and then have him get hurt after ten minutes? So it'd be something over something dumb. So. Um, I think absolutely. I will be okay with it if it's in that situation. If it's a one-zero game, I want to see him on the field, help extend the lead because that's also been a problem with this team is is scoring that second goal, pushing an opponent away rather than just letting them kind of hang around, hang around, hang around, which they've done already multiple times on the road. So we'll see. Um, in terms of scoring, scoring uh, predictions, or who do you think is going to score the goal? What do you think the final score is going to be? What are your thoughts there? It's a tough one. I, think. I mean, again, I think always it's always going to link on the back of your mind is that playoff game last year, whereas yeah, the playoff game was earlier this year, wasn't it? The season ended in twenty twenty one. So again, as, as I was saying, like you've obviously got to look back some heavy favourites to win that playoff game with some fans back at Subaru and they got outplayed for 90 minutes against a team that just wanted it, wanted it more and that right. sort of I think that game after the Union somewhat dominated the Eastern Conference last year you could probably argue that was the game where the flip sort of switched for the Revs and they somewhat shield again as you said I it's going to be a difficult game I don't think the union is going to blow it out, which obviously we don't. So we're not going to say we're going to happen. I think it's not going to be one of those, you know, long. No, it's not going to be one of those batterings where you know on top for minute one for minute ninety. Because I think the um, rebels are about to happen, so I'm going to go two one to the union. Two one unit sounds good. Right now, the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook has that as plus one hundred five Philly, plus two forty for the Red Bulls. So you know, of course, Philly's home favorite for the goal scorers. Uh, anytime goal scorer, Casper Shabilko is at plus one seventy. Sergio Santos is at plus two eighty. And so the two of them are actually the leading players right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Kamala. Uh, or Klamala, as you mentioned earlier, plus 280 as well. Quinn Sullivan, plus 320. So if you're looking at value play, 
me look right here. Hold on. Daniel Gazdag, who's been on fire lately, plus 600. If you're looking at a value play for, for betting, I would probably put money on Daniel, considering how well he's playing right now. Um, he's been scoring for us. He's been scoring for the country. So now it's a matter of whether he can score in the playoffs as well. So if you're listening to this now on Thursday, maybe the line has moved a bit, but I would say it's probably not. I would, I would go with Daniel Gazdag as your anytime goal scorer. And if you want to even risk it more, the first goal scorer of the game, Daniel Gazdag is at plus 1,200. So it's double what he is for the anytime. So you can always put it down for both of them if you really are out that optimistic in that sense. But I, I think I think at home, in front of a sold-out crowd, I, I'm going to go 2 nothing. I think they're going to put them, put them away. They're going to flex their muscles. I like the way they played recently at home. Okay. Um I'm just optimistic. I'm feeling good about it. I, I don't I don't want to see them give up any stupid goal to make it a 2-1 game. I want to see Andre get the sheet. So maybe I'm more optimistic than I am realistic. But I do want to say 2-0. I'll have Daniel Gazek score one. And I will have, uh, let's see, I'll do Kai Wagner as the other goal. So just uh, throw that out there. Can mix it up like a little it. bit. See if our MLS All Star can put one away for us. Uh, Benny, before we close up the show, I know it's just a quick show today since we're only really previewing the playoff game. Any any last second oh, thoughts Christ. for uh, this match on Saturday? Well, yeah, go just, ahead. Uh, um, I only mentioned the fan like fan poll for go the most. Which uh, Daniel's nice curling shot from the edge of the scored. <laughs> I think it was Minnesota. Yeah. Because went with that as opposed to, uh, you know, Gars nice finish, which he obviously did well to find the top quarter in. Um, again, as you said, I think obviously for if you've got any UK gamblers, the Union are twenty-one to twenty, whereas opposed to Rebels are nine to four. So I think that's just obviously. I think we do our odds differently to you guys. So sometimes it's confusing yeah. them. So like, oh, plus one forty, you're like, oh crap. Yeah, I don't know again, the uh, trick. Eight to five. Yeah. Ooh, so I was going to say, Corey, um, Corey Burke and Sergio are both uh, five to two, which I think is plus three fifty. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I. don't always remember the how the transitional like the exchange between the the way you guys do things the way we do. I'm always just used to the plus minus. So sometimes I hear those yeah. numbers, I'm like, I don't exactly know what that is. Um, I have to be more versed in it, considering how much I bet, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I know I saw a recent poll. I think I know Gazdag's or not Gazdag. Glesnes is getting um MLS Goal of the Year recognition right now, which I hope he gets. He's basically had two screamers. You'd hope that one of them. Uh, you know, gets him that award. I'm not sure. I don't think he got it for the first one. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. He might have. No. If anybody hears that, correct no. me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, so interesting stuff there. Uh, but any, anything else before we wrap it up, Dave? Yeah. I don't think I think that's all good. Obviously, it's a big game this weekend. Fingers crossed the Union can pull it off, pull off the shock, and go from there. Yep, exactly. All right, we're going to close up with our sponsors Chuck. and then. What was that? Sorry. No, sorry. My audio so was cut I said pull off a shock and pull off a cup to win. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I want to see. That's what I want to see. I want a comfortable win. I said pull off a shock. 
Yeah, comfortable win there would be great. Uh, so we'll close up with monsters here with uh, yeah, with Manscaped. Manscaped is twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code ATBirds at Manscaped.com. Next, we have Odds Jam. Odds Jam, you can get uh, the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits with your arbitrage calculator where you can never lose a bet again. Sign up today, oddsjam.com, Birds. Check out Statement Games at statementgames.com for a fun new way to fancy sports entertainment, win gift cards and prizes. It's free to sign up at statementgames.com. We have Lotterrain Watches, our newest sponsor at lotterrain.com. Use AET Birds for 10% off at checkout at lotterrain.com for some nice, beautiful watches. And then finally, we have the Across the Pit gear and all of our AAT Sports gear at the aatsportsnetwork.com slash shop. You can get Barrera's Bucket gear, Across the Pitch gear, Burning Bridges, Chips and Dish. Uh, Johnny always puts out a um, different kind of logo and stuff like that for his for his uh, for the Eagles stuff. So a lot of cool things there. Please check it out. And then last but not least, follow us, Dave Miller and uh, Mike Barrera on Twitter. Dave GFC Miller for him and Barrera1323 for myself. Right now I'm heavy on college basketball. Dave, I know you're still covering the gills overseas, so a lot to go with us um, moving forward. But uh, with that said, we're going to close up the show. Dave, hopefully next time we talk is with a playoff victory next week.